If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Can't have our youth be so affected. And I'm hearing it. And that's how the first lady got involved. And she's got a son together that is a a beautiful young man, and she feels very, very strongly about it. She's seen it. We're both reading it. A lot of people are reading it. But people are dying with vaping. I think he meant to say she's a mom, but it was kind of awkward. Yeah, that's also my son, by the way. But uh, that was the U.S. president today talking about vaping and uh, the fact that his administration wants the Food and Drug Administration to get flavored e-cigarette products off the market. Now, this seems obviously like like very much a knee-jerk reaction to what's been in the news as of late. Uh, Perhaps it's not surprising that in the midst of what is, a, I think, a moral panic, that you're going to get knee-jerk policy responses. Look, this whole situation in the U.S., now hundreds uh, of these, these uh, illnesses, respiratory illnesses, now six deaths, there, there's an urgent need to figure out what's going on here. Uh, there was obviously a link to vaping, but I think we need to be clear when it comes to what the evidence is telling us. It appears as though the vast majority of these cases are linked not to e-cigarettes per se, but rather to black market THC oil. And the vaping of cannabis oil uh, that could be potentially contaminated or might have in it uh, various chemicals like in particular, a lot of focus right now on vitamin E acetate, whether that might explain some of this. So as much as there's an urgency to understand what's going on here, there's got to be a need to follow the evidence and to ensure that our response is guided by evidence. I'm not so sure if that's happening. Well, joining us to talk a bit more about uh, this news today and what's been going on over the past several weeks. Very pleased to welcome to the program uh, Jacob Greer. He's a freelance writer. He's based in Portland, Oregon. He's also author of the book, The Rediscovery of Tobacco, Smoking, Vaping, The Creative Destruction of the Cigarette. Uh, the ebook comes out next week. Um, Jacob, thanks so much for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Rob, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, let's start with the word today about a uh, word from, from the U.S. administration is with regard to flavored e-cigarettes. Uh, your reaction to that? Well, I think what you said is exactly right, at least among a lot of people, about how this is a knee-jerk reaction. Uh, and it is a reaction to things that, by most of the evidence right now, we think is not related to what we think of as e-cigarettes, meaning things that people go to a commercial place and buy that deliver nicotine. Uh, from what we can tell, the vast majority of cases uh, are related to uh, THC cartridges, uh, most of which are also probably black market uh, and you know it's still a developing story, uh, but by every indication, that's what we have. Uh, and so this is a knee-jerk reaction among some people, but I think the important point uh, is that it's not a knee-jerk reaction among people who have been opposed to vaping for a long time. Yeah. Uh, in that case, I think it's more a case of not letting a crisis go into waste and using this opportunity to demonize the product and push through this ban. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that may be true. What do you make of the argument, though, then, and separate from what's been happening in recent weeks, but the argument that's been out there for quite a while, that flavored e-cigarettes are more likely to attract youth, and obviously we don't want youth taking up the habit. 
Well, I think there's some truth to that. And the, the tricky thing with anytime you're dealing with e-cigarettes is the more appealing the product is for smokers and who, people who might want to be using an e-cigarette to quit smoking, at the same time, anything that makes it more appealing to them is also going to make it more appealing to other people. So it's hard to, there's no way to create a product that is only appealing to smokers and no one else. There's always going to be some spillover. And so the difficult questions are how you balance that and what philosophically you're you're willing to uh, tolerate in terms of restrictions on what adults can do with these products. Yeah. Well, yeah, and you're, I think you're right. I mean, it is it is a tricky balance because we want to encourage smokers, I would argue, to, to switch away from cigarettes uh, to a, a less dangerous product. But we don't want known smokers starting to vape. Uh, and... And obviously, we, we probably do have some people maybe who don't smoke or haven't smoked, who have indeed taken up the habit. We do have, though, a lot of people who I, I think have been able to quit smoking thanks to e-cigarettes. So uh, maybe there is no, no perfect way of addressing both sides of that. Yeah, there's certainly no perfect solution. I, I think we'd all agree on that. Uh, in the United States, if you look at the numbers, the estimates are that there are about 3 million ex-smokers who now vape. Uh, and so this is certainly a real risk for these people now uh, that if you get rid of vaping or you get rid of the products that they prefer, that they might go back to tobacco because we know that quitting nicotine is very difficult. Uh, and one thing that I've heard from a, a lot of people who vape, uh, and to be clear, I don't actually vape myself. It's mm-hmm. just a, a topic I'm interested in. Uh, but a lot of vapors who are ex-smokers will tell you they don't want the tobacco-flavored uh, vapor devices, which would be the only ones left on the market, because they remind them of cigarettes. And part of the reason they like these more fruit-forward or sweet flavors is it's a totally different uh, flavor experience that doesn't make them want to get back to smoking. Yeah, and that's an important point. I mean, if, if the end result of our policy decisions is that people are going back to smoking or that people are going to the black market, which is presumably at this point where, where a lot of these problems are arising, that seems counterproductive in, in a lot of ways, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the it's not hard to make uh, your own e-juice. You know, most people don't because they can buy it commercially. Uh, but this is a product that would be very easy to have a black market in. And, you know, we're talking about, we're seeing what happens right now with cannabis. Uh, when you have a black market, uh, you can have uh, these lethal things that get into the supply. Uh, and, you know, by having the approach we're taking now of banning flavors, uh, we might end up actually exacerbating that for nicotine, which, like you said, be a terrible outcome. It is. And I mean, you know, it seems as though we're on the path to potentially ending smoking or making smoking almost irrelevant. And and 20 years ago, that that would have been unthinkable. So are are we losing sight of the bigger goal here or the bigger potential payoff with our our, our panic or myopic focus on, on vaping? Yeah, I think so. And it's an ongoing debate in tobacco control. The, uh, the word that they use for it uh, in the in the community who, who's in research journals is the end game. Uh, and for the past you know, a decade or so, people who write about tobacco regulation have been envisioning this end game against tobacco where we get rid of smoking entirely. And for a long time, if that was your goal, the way to do that was to get rid of nicotine and cigarettes because it was basically all in market. Uh, but now there's this philosophical divide um, about you know, having potentially safer nicotine products uh, which, on the one hand, could be very good for getting people to quit smoking. But on the other hand, it makes people who've committed their whole professional careers to ending the use of nicotine extremely uncomfortable that you know, adults might be out there or teenagers might be out there you know, doing this for recreation. Uh, so it's a, it's a really big divide in the community. 
Uh, and you can understand why people are uncomfortable with it because, you know, their goals have always been to end smoking and the harms of smoking and, and the use of nicotine. And you can't do all three uh, if you're allowing e-cigarettes to happen. But that could be the best actual outcome for ending the harms of smoking. Right. I mean, in a perfect world, people would just quit smoking and, and, and there would be no uh, nicotine products out there that people are using. Um, I don't know if that perfect world is, is realistic. I get that maybe we're potentially trading a bigger problem for a smaller problem, that a smaller problem is still a problem. But don't we also have to be realistic at the same time? I think we do. And, you know, part of the reason I wrote the book is I think uh, people tend to disregard the, the reasons that people use nicotine or the reasons that people do smoke. Uh, and, I, and I come from the perspective of someone who actually does enjoy an occasional cigar. Uh, and so I don't want to see these products wiped out. Uh, I do want to see the cigarettes go the way of the dodo. I want people to stop smoking cigarettes because they realize it's harmful and because that if they are using nicotine, there are much better options out there for them. Uh, but yes, I, I don't want to take more of an authoritarian approach that just clamps down on everything. Uh, and ends all options. Right. Now, look, and in the meantime, I mean, people who do vape, obviously, they, they've got a decision to make. They are hearing from various uh, agencies and organizations that maybe on the safe side, you should just stop vaping altogether. Um, you know, as we alluded to, the evidence around these illnesses seem more traceable back to THC oil, black market products. Um, but, I mean, clearly there's, there's an urgent need to understand what's going on here. What, what can we state with any certainty, Jacob, at this point? Well, I think, I think it's very difficult in part because the, the cases are spread out. Uh, the symptoms aren't always exactly the same. Uh, we are seeing that, uh, I think in the New England Journal of Medicine report, 84% of the cases also they were using a cannabis product of some kind. Uh, and you also have to consider there's definitely a chance of underreporting, especially if it's teenagers in an area where cannabis is illegal. Uh, you can understand why they might not want to admit to it. So the true figure could well be higher. Um, but, you know, there's no way to trace these products. Uh, it's, it's a very difficult situation. Uh, so there is no way to know completely for sure yet. Uh, but based on the evidence we have, it looks like the investigation is focusing uh, on these products as opposed to, you know, a jewel or something you might buy from a, a vape store. Right. And it, does that, I mean, does it make a case then for regulation that if if we have products out there that are unregulated on the black market and people don't know what's in them, uh, that that's far more dangerous than having a system where, you know, these companies are regulated, that there are rules and regulations around ingredients uh, and, and certain uh, chemicals that might go into these products. Is, is, is it making the case for that sort of an approach in your view? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, it's important to remember that these products are regulated. They have been uh, for two years in the United States. Uh, and so if the FDA did determine that uh, some kind of e-cigarette was causing these illnesses, uh, the agency has the power right now to order that off the market. Like, yeah. As we saw today, they, they have plenty of power to take these actions. Uh, I think the, the ongoing challenge is that the way the regulations were designed, and you have to remember these regulations were actually lobbied for by Philip Morris uh, more than 10 years ago. Uh, and so they were intentionally made in a way that's going to make it so that only the biggest companies can get their products approved. Uh, so right now, only one product has ever made it through the pathway uh, that that uh, is for e-cigarettes, and that's owned by Philip Morris. Uh, and I think one of the other companies that could potentially make it through is Juul. Uh, so you're kind of rewarding some of the, the worst actors in the field by the way we've written our regulations. Uh, so my suggestion would be to have a more open process uh, where smaller companies can know exactly what's allowed and what isn't. Uh, and to lower those barriers to entry instead of making uh, an oligopoly that's 
going to be dominated by big tobacco. Yeah, that's an important point. Well, more of your work on this at Slate.com. Your website is jacobgreer.com. Jacob, thanks so much for joining us here today. Appreciate it. Hey, thank you for having me on. All right, there you go. Jacob Greer, freelance uh, journalist based in Portland, Oregon. Uh, got his book coming out next week, as mentioned, The Rediscovery of Tobacco, Smoking, Vaping, and the Creative Destruction of the Cigarette. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.